Good morning and welcome to Branding with Bex. I'm your host, Bex Batai. I hope you had a really nice long Memorial Day weekend. Today we are going to discuss field marketing, which is a great topic for brands who are looking to continue to grow their relationship with their consumers. And it's also really interesting from an influencer standpoint to learn about what brands use field marketing for and how maybe you can get involved. So today I have my friend from college, Anna, on the show. Hello, Anna. Hello. So Anna and I actually started working together right out of school in the field marketing space. It was my first job out of college, and we learned quite a bit about field marketing together. Anna has continued to grow her career in field marketing. I've switched more to an online marketing space, but I'm excited to dive into all of these topics together. So let's just start by talking a little bit about yourself. You want to give the audience a little introduction, a little background. We should also tell the story of your name here, too. So my name's Anna, short for Anna Maria Catalina. Very quick story, um, just to bring a more personal connection to all of this. I actually just started using Anna, my legal given name, when I started college. <laughs> I actually loved my name Catalina, went with Catalina, actually changed my name to Katie, not fully, but just because Catalina was a little bit too long to spell when I was in pre-K. So from pre-K to eighth grade, everybody knew me as Katie. When I entered high school, I was like, okay, I'll use Catalina because I really did love Catalina. And then when I got my license and had to start applying to colleges, I had to use my legal name. So that is when Anna started to be used. So you can call me Anna, Catalina, and people who've known me for a very, very long time, Katie. That is quite a story, um, but I've always known you as Anna, so I'm just going to continue to call you that. So if you want to tell us a little bit more about you and you know how you're handling all of this going on right now, I know things are really crazy. I'm hoping for brighter days ahead. If you have any tips and tricks to get through it for our audience. So basically, I'm 25 years old, you know, just like everybody else trying to figure it out. Some days I feel ahead of the curve. Some days I feel behind the curve. <laughs> But currently, very happy, dealing with every situation, taking everything day by day, and making sure that we will get through this. I'm so happy to hear that you're in good spirits about everything. You're continuing to take it day by day. I feel like that's a really great piece of advice and something that I've been practicing as well. So if you want to just dive into more about your family and your personal life, and then we can get into the show. So who do I live with? I live with my puppy. My puppy Leon, which is not so little anymore, he actually just turned nine about two weeks ago during this quarantine. And yes, I ordered him a birthday cake with a full mold and everything. It even came with a candle and brought him a new bed. And it was one of his best days so far. So let's talk about your family really quick and you can give us a little background on your history and also your languages. I am fully Ecuadorian. Well, I was born here. Both of my parents are from Ecuador. I absolutely love Ecuador. I started going to Ecuador basically my full summer, every three months of summer vacation. So yes, I am bilingual. I speak Spanish and English. I love traveling thanks to being able to go to Ecuador. I think it's so awesome that you are so connected with your culture. So let's just dive right in about your career. So what are you doing now? 
I never thought I'd be working in the food and beverage industry, but I actually just started a new job in the food and beverage industry about a month ago, and I have to say it's my favorite job so far. So, you know, that's fast forwarding a few years, but I'm so happy that you found a place that you really enjoy and that you're learning a lot as well. So if you can give us a little background on how you got into marketing and why field marketing really stuck out to you. Originally, how I got into marketing is super funny because I was actually trying to stay very, very far away from marketing. So basically, I, since sixth grade, thought I was going to be a fashion designer. So come high school senior year, I only applied to fashion schools. I went to FITM in California because Lauren Conrad had gone to FITM in California. Decided that fashion design wasn't really for me, that I wanted more of a business aspect to it, so I switched to fashion merchandising. However, once I got into that, I wanted even more business. So I got my associates and then transferred over to MSU and got my business administration degree with a concentration in finance. Which is actually so funny because I started my college career at Monmouth University and I was studying graphic design. And then I transferred to Montclair State and started studying business with a concentration in marketing. So tell us a little bit about why you picked finance. Now, why did I pick finance? Basically, I had looked at the stats and in my mind, I thought I had a lot bigger probabilities of getting a job if I went into finance. However, once I graduated, I very quickly realized I hated finance. I didn't want anything to do with finance. And two semesters before graduating, I ended up with a job that I absolutely loved. And you know, it just happened to be in marketing. So that's kind of how I got into marketing, working at the New York Red Bulls. For some of the people who are listening that may not be familiar with the Red Bulls, can you give us a little bit of a background? So the New York Red Bulls is one of the best teams in the MLS. So that's the soccer league of the United States. Started doing it very coincidentally because my friend started doing it. And I honestly didn't know that there was soccer in the U.S. So started two semesters left of college, joined the event marketing staff, and absolutely loved it. So from then, which was about 2015-2016 until 2019, I was at the New York Red Bulls during season, every single Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, all day basically. Which made it so hard for us to hang out on weekends. Um, this is something important to consider if you are thinking about getting into field marketing. I actually started my career in field marketing as well, and it does require a lot of weekend work. So if you are a brand that is trying to grow your business or if you um, are trying to use field marketing to further the social media space, which we'll go into a little bit later, weekend availability is like an absolute must. So you have to be either willing to give up that time yourself or to have a field marketing manager. So Anna, what are some things that you learned from this position and your experience overall at Red Bulls? To connect with fans, how to grow excitement, how to build loyalty with fans, with players, with an audience, 
how to overcome adversity, you know, when we lost the game and still keep people hyped for the next game and really grow a following at every single event that I was able to attend, whether that was in Connecticut, in New York, or in New Jersey. Working for Red Bulls was such a great experience for you because it gave you that inside perspective on what it's like to work from a brand side. Many people listening to this podcast are actually working from both the influencer side and then I also have small businesses following as well. So I really wanted to touch upon that whole side of events and event marketing and how you can use that to grow your brand. More than just marketing, I really have always had more of an inclination to events and live events. So what other people might call field marketing. So the beauty of field marketing is yes, you're out there, at every single event, in the cold events during winter, and the burning hot events like the balloon festival, everything in between, and it really is the one point of marketing, and the only point of marketing that really connects you with people, that really gets you in front of somebody to create that impact, that brings them to the memory of the exact moment they were introduced to the product, to the service, to the brand. I think it's so important that you touched on that and really funny that you brought up the Balloon Festival as well because that was one of the field marketing events that Ann and I actually worked together back in the day. But basically with field marketing, you get that connection on a more personal level and then you can also use this to tie into social media to help grow your brand so it's creating that in-person experience because basically if we really look at it the importance of a brand stems from its equity and the brand equity can only be formed on a solid foundation so if you look at the foundation of your brand you must think about who your customers are. Who is it that's already tuned in to your brand? Who are you trying to outreach to? And the only way to do that is to think, in this market, what are their interests? What are they looking for? What need do they have or what need can I create to then fill and once you've analyzed all of those things, take a look at your competitors. Create your competitive analysis of how you're able to do this and develop your plan to position yourself. And so once you're able to effectively position yourself, then you activate your plan. Now, if you're in field marketing, you're able to do all of those things in a stem of just a few hours. Cause you do your research, you figure out where your customers are, what festivals they're hitting, what conferences, what trade shows. You make sure you're there. You have an idea of your competitors at this event. You position yourself strategically in an area, either in the corner, either near the entrance or the exit depending on what product, service, or brand you're selling. And then you activate right in front of them. Right in front of them where you're able to see their reactions and their emotions. 
where you're able to respond to any question they might have or respond to the feedback that they're giving to you. These are valuable things that you're only able to perceive by having a conversation, by having a one-on-one interaction with a customer. There's nothing like working very hard on a promotion or a plan or a giveaway and being able to have that instant gratification the moment that you're able to hand it to somebody. And that all comes down to field marketing. Yes, some people might think that it has to do with sales. It might transfer into a sale, but really it's about creating that monumental impact and that memory with somebody that resonates with them as the memory of the first time they were interacting with your brand. I think this is so important to note for all of the brands that are listening to this, that creating that relationship that we strive to create online you can also do that in person in the field as well and you can also start with working in the field and then maybe move your audience to online to continue that relationship so yes it's super important so yes it's super important and not only important it's incredibly rewarding so given the current circumstances i know events aren't really happening hopefully they will be starting to happen again in the future Um, but there's a lot of uncertainty going on out there about when you know everything's going to be back to normal or we're going to be able to socialize again. So for someone maybe looking to get into the field marketing space or for brands that are looking to utilize field marketing, what are some reasons why you would say to get involved? So of course, right now during quarantine, that's very hard. And the whole marketing world is pivoting, but field marketing marketing is exceptionally pivoting. Because really, all these events that we had planned for the rest of the year are suddenly gone and we don't really know what area we're going to be working in. We don't really even know if things will be back to normal by 2021. But that's okay. That's okay because with marketing, there's upcoming trends, there's upcoming changes. And all we really have to do to continue building that brand equity is to pivot with the changes. That's a great point. I think that if you are marketing or branding your business, it's really important to be able to pivot and to stay on top of all of these trends. So are there any trends that stand out to you in the marketing space? So a few of the marketing trends that I really believe will help you through this time is to keep your goal in sight. Keep your customers in mind. Whether they are logging in through Instagram Live whether they're logging in through Zooms, whether they're interested in live fitness classes or recipes or cocktail mixes, some wellness spaces that's super important during this time. Anything that you can do to build value to and bring that value to your customers to keep supporting them during this time. Now, something that's said to so many different people in so many different areas of life is that it takes 21 days to build a habit. So during those 21 days, whether you start now or in a week, you have to make sure that your brand is able to bring value to your customer. So whether that is 
your their live workout that's starting their day or you're giving them the recipe that they're going to use to cook that day or to create a dessert if you're the drink they're waking up to or a drink they're taking after they walk if it's the one podcast they're going to to relieve stress and really kind of forget about every impact that's going on right now and something that brings them closer to their goals or brings them closer to a healthy mindset. Anything you can do to be part of their routine on a daily basis is what will still create that value to your customer. Yes, this is so important in social media marketing, field marketing, branding your business and growing your personal brand. It's so important to provide that value and to be there for your consumer or your audience. At the end of all of this, I think we're going to remember those brands that were there for us throughout the process, that continued to show up for us, and that continued to deliver that value. Those are the brands that are going to be receiving the business and the brands that are going to be successful. It could be something as small as posting a motivational quote, if that is what your audience is looking for, or posting a fashion OOTD, or posting a funny video or posting a video talking to your audience and just telling them and connecting with them about your daily struggles. Anything you can do to create a bond during this 21 days is really what will help you overcome all of this and even create a better bond that you did before with your brand Because you will know exactly what your customers are looking for and the value you can bring to them, which solidifies the goals of your brand and also strengthen the relationship with them because they feel that in the moment they needed you, that's when they could find you. Absolutely. It is so important to continue to show up and to provide value. I know that we can sometimes be our own toughest critics and we can say, oh, this isn't perfect or I don't absolutely love this post or I don't love this picture. But it's more important to show up maybe imperfectly than it is to not show up at all. I really love that you mentioned that 21 day habit statement because it's interesting to think about that from a brand and consumer perspective. So if you're an influencer and you post for 21 days and you show up every single day or you share a motivational quote for 21 days or you share something that's useful every 21 days, then at the end of that, that's a habit in the consumer's mind. So now every day they're expecting to see that from you. They're expecting you to show up for them. So it's important to deliver that value. And that's really, now we can switch to that digital aspect, but throughout all of the years I've worked in field marketing, that's really what I notice. So let's talk about some of the fun events that you've had in the past. Hopefully we'll have some more in the future. Um, Maybe you want to share a little bit about your favorites and how you can really use field marketing in a cool environment. You know, I've been had incredible experiences of working at a Beyonce concert to working at FIFA qualifier matches, um, watching my favorite team in the whole world, Real Madrid, play from a field seat and being part of their autograph session the day before, which is still mind-blowing to me, to even being part of the CW Upfronts and being able to be in the same room of the cast of Flash, Riverdale, Supernatural, any upcoming show on CW back in 2019. But the one thing that really hit home to me 
was the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> the Jonas Brothers performed after everything. And as soon as I heard that the Jonas Brothers were going to be there, I was suddenly transferred to the middle school me of freaking out over Nick Jonas. And even though I was there, 24 years old at the time, in a professional setting, having responsibilities and leadership skills, I couldn't help but go back to that time. Because that is a memory and that is a feeling that the Jonas Brothers, as a brand, evoked to me. And that's the beauty of field marketing, that in every single event that I've done, I've been able to take that away. And whether I was there as a customer, as an onlooker, or whether I was there working, the events that I enjoyed were the events that made me feel that emotion. That I could only imagine and dream about as a child. I'm so happy that you've had so many great experiences in the field marketing space. So for somebody that's interested in maybe getting involved in field marketing or brands that are looking to utilize field marketing, what are some tips and tricks and ways to get involved? So just a little sneak peek, just a little insight to anybody that might be looking into getting into field marketing, the event space, or becoming a brand ambassador, it really is a lot easier than you think. So I was lucky enough to start with the New York Red Bulls which gave me an amazing foundation, incredible connections and experiences that helped me kind of move into roles, very focused on events where I needed to know the responsibility of the importance of every second when it came to opening a show or you know, hosting pre-match, to how to lead a group, to how to lead 120 people and make sure they're doing exactly what they need to. And more importantly, how to connect with fans on the highs as well as the lows. The highs of when we just won a game and we're going to the finals, or when we've lost three games in a row. And it really changes you as a person. You're able to learn about consumer behavior. You're able to learn what really triggers people and what they're really looking for. And maybe they lost a game, but if they're still having a good time and they still had a great connection with the people they were able to go with, they're still going to leave the event happy. So that's huge to take with you. Now, I was lucky enough to do that, but anybody that might not have an opportunity to just jump into the field marketing world, I really recommend joining brand ambassador companies. The way I started getting into brand ambassador work was I really just Googled brand ambassador work in New Jersey, brand ambassador work in New York. I got a list of different agencies. And yes, you do have to apply to join the agency and they will most likely ask for your experience as well as some pictures. Some might even ask you for video content to just kind of see your energy, your passion when you're talking about things. But it's something to look into the process is a lot easier than you might think. And out of 20, I was very lucky that I worked very heavily with a lot of people. But you will see that you will start working with the companies that really resonate with what you want. And the beauty of brand ambassador work is you should never feel obligated to work with a brand that you don't align with or you don't want to do certain things with. So that's why brand ambassador work is amazing to start 
while you're in college and maybe even make it a full-time career. Because basically you're able to make your own schedule. You're able to tell, work with different brands and tell them I'm available on during these days. And they will book you for those days. Of course, the problem with that is it's something very flexible. So you don't have a steady income. You know, but you're able to work it in with a lot of different jobs. So that was really kind of the way I got into it. And my first job ever working in field marketing was working the Beyonce concert. So there's a lot of cool opportunities going on. And now even with this whole quarantine situation, they're focusing on a lot of digital events. So you might even be able to make some money working from home and just helping people get into virtual events or creating content for people. That's really cool that you touched upon the virtual event space. So I think this is something that is a way to incorporate field marketing and also use your social media skills. You can still practice those skills of public speaking, interpersonal communication, and all of these traits. And then eventually when things open up again, you can use these skills out in the field. Well, thank you so much for all of your tips and tricks and information about field marketing. I think it's a really interesting industry to work in. It can definitely be very rewarding, as you've mentioned. And I actually want to touch upon a little bit of a different topic. So Anna has been my best friend for a while now, and she always has like the most amazing makeup. She's always on point with her style, just always looking great. And I would always ask her where she got her sources of inspiration from and how she figured out how to do her makeup so well and all of these things. So I really want to touch upon this segment and just have a little fun with this episode and dive more into beauty with Anna. Now this may seem totally out there to start talking about, however, it actually does tie in really well because Anna's inspiration has actually come from social media, nonetheless, and we talk a lot about the connection of influencers and all of that in this space. So let's just dive in. So now switching things to another passion of mine is makeup. Now, I was never really allowed to wear makeup when I was younger until I believe sophomore year of high school, which was very hard for me to believe because in middle school, most of my friends were able to wear makeup since sixth grade. So I basically was that one girl that I would try to get away with as much makeup without my mom noticing. And the day she did notice, she would make me go to the bathroom and wash everything off. So little by little, I kind of started seeing how certain things would work and how to make it look as natural as possible, just simply so I could get away with it. But of course, a lot of the techniques I was able to learn did come from YouTube. And YouTube was completely different when I started watching it. So what changes have you seen in YouTube since you first started watching? YouTube really was so much more raw, so much more natural, not so many effects or editing. It was really kind of the core of these are the products I'm using and this is how I'm going to apply it, not even music in the background. So it's really funny to me to think back to the YouTubers that really changed the way I looked at makeup and really helped me with what brushes I needed and the application process because they're YouTubers that at the moment probably wouldn't do so well just because they didn't look as appealing in the marketing eye. So going back, I think the few makeup YouTube gurus that I actually really closely followed were Juicy Star 07, 
I was such a big fan of Juicy Soto 7. Um, Mac Barbie, who's now Bethany Moda. Who else? Camila Coelho, which was actually a Brazilian YouTuber. And I would watch her videos without being able to understand much. And I remember at semi-formal my junior year, I was at my best friend's house. And I was watching her video trying to figure out how to do my eyeshadow. And she goes, what are you watching? And I was like, this makeup girl that I love, but I can't understand her. And funny enough, we both started watching the video and both started trying to apply her makeup just like her without understanding anything she said. So what do you think were some traits or reasons for you to continue to watch and grow with these YouTubers? And when I look back on it, I realize the power that these influencers really have on you. Because I was very impressionable, I really wanted to learn how to do makeup, and basically I just adapted their way and their technique. So it's really amazing the power that these influencers have. It's funny how as you grow, you evolve, and you're able to now pick from millions of YouTubers now on the web. And so where I used to really focus on some gurus that were always fake eyelashes and very noticeable blush and a strong contour, now I've kind of geared towards more natural looking YouTube gurus. And I feel like everybody has evolved in that same aspect. And while YouTube now is so edited and so much professionalism and marketing and it looks like you're looking at a huge production and really it's just a makeup video but there's so much more that goes into it and that's really what I've learned through all this I think you can kind of apply that with the influencer space being that while yes there are a lot of bloggers a lot of youtubers a lot of influencers out there doesn't mean that there is not a space for you so it's definitely a saturated market but by no means is it an oversaturated market there's always people out there looking for videos and looking for inspiration, and you may be able to deliver that value that they were looking for. So Anna, what are some of your favorite YouTubers, and maybe some people will check them out? One is Sagonia. The other one is, well, Camila Coelho. Now she's producing English-speaking videos, which I love. Cezanne Hendricks, amazing. A dermatologist called Mona Vand, and I really, really love her approach of natural skincare, really kind of focusing on how your skin looks before the whole makeup process. And yeah, that's about it. Of course, I have to shout out to Kim Kardashian West. <laughs> um, really kind of provoking the whole switch of her also promoting the heavy contour and the super light under eyes to now more of a natural look. And even a being able to share those things on KKW. And that's the really interesting thing for me is on YouTube, I follow these YouTube gurus that are very unattainable, that very much give you a sense of being perfect. And so I look at them because obviously I aspire, you know, to have the perfect eyeliner or the eyelashes, or the perfect contour, but not too noticeable contour. But I connect with 
And I'm a lot more excited when these YouTubers that talk about their normal lives post. And that aren't afraid to say, I had to complete my eyeliner two times for it to look this perfect. So what would you say are some things that set apart your favorite influencers from the rest? So why would you watch one person over another? How do you feel connected to them on the internet? And I think that's what really kind of focuses and sets somebody apart from everybody else is when somebody feels connected to the person. When somebody feels like whatever this brand is selling is attainable for them. So if you're listening to this podcast and you are aspiring to become an influencer yourself, this is a really important point to take away. Anna actively views YouTubers and influencers on a regular basis and she has her favorites and connects with them. That segment that she just stated is really important with how you can connect as well. Somebody that might look super perfect, but you're able to see how real they are. You're able to see what kind of creates them. And when you're able to relate to them on a personal level, that's when you build that connection with them, you build that loyalty with them, and you start trusting them. Now, I have definitely focused on a lot of them a little bit more during this quarantine because obviously everybody's kind of looking towards something to do. So influencers, bloggers, brands that are looking to grow that connection, now is a great time to focus on providing that value and creating those relationships. So Anna, thank you for that little inside information into influencer marketing and also field marketing. Before we wrap it up, is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience in regards to how you're spending your time in this quarantine? Um, Any resources or tips and tricks or tools that you're interested in sharing? Topics that I've been more focused on have included meditation, have included brain health, healthy ways of living, which include changing up my vitamin routine and trying to determine like certain ways of thought processes I have and how I can change them, learn about marketing more, learn about myself more. I'm really focusing on things that make me better as a person at the core value. So throughout this whole quarantine, honestly, I've had days where it's been overwhelming and it's been hard to know that I've had to stick here. But I've also really enjoyed a lot of aspects of the quarantine. You know, I've been able to accomplish so many things where I would just, in my mind, think, you know, I have to get to cleaning to my closet, and I have to get to cleaning out my makeup drawer, and redoing my kitchen, and putting together a nicer look for my living room, or my bedside table, things like that, and I've been able to do it during this quarantine. So, definitely focusing on the little aspects of life that now we thankfully have time to do instead of focusing on all the limitations we have is a huge tip to just start seeing the good out of quarantine it's a really interesting way to put it and i definitely like that you're looking at the bright side of things anna thank you so much for being on this podcast listeners thank you so much for tuning in i hope you received some tangible takeaways from this episode really quickly to recap we discussed field marketing 
we discussed how to get involved in field marketing, how to get your foot in the door, influencers, if you're interested in starting in field marketing. We also discussed from a brand perspective, if you would like to learn more about utilizing field marketing to grow a relationship with your consumer. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will leave Anna's information in the show notes if you'd like to check out her accounts. If you found any of this information useful or if you applied it in your life, I would love to know more. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and a rating would help as well. If you think your friends would enjoy listening to this episode, please help spread the word. Take care, guys, and have a great week.